0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to a special Ooh Bonus Edition of the Media Podcast, bringing you more highlights from the Radio Days Europe conference held in Vienna earlier this month. We sent radio consultant Paul Robinson, so what follows are his full-length interviews with breakfast show host of X100 in New York, Elvis Duran, the director of BBC Radio, Bob Shannon, and vice programme director of Austria's national station, Kronhit Daniela Linzer. But we start with Midge, talking Vienna in Vienna. Enjoy.
2: Ultravox took off when you joined as vocalist. That really was that when Ultravox started to have really big commercial success.
1: I think it's, it's one of those things that, that it's, the, it's the combination of characters that make things work. And and I was just incredibly fortunate to be in a position where I could join the other three guys uh, in Ultravox who already had explored a bit of this kind of electronic rock uh, world. Um, and it was just something to do with uh, the right place at the right time and the right people. And the, the spark we had was immediate. You know, the first thing we wrote was the VN album.
2: And that was such an emotional song. I remember playing it on the radio. The one problem is it's quite long at four Mm. minutes, Mm. but it had a really sort of emotional kick to it, which just built and built and built. I used to love playing that
1: record. Well, it's one of those things that uh, I remember the label coming to us and saying, you know, we love Vienna, but it's too long for radio. Uh, At a time when radio had to be two and a half to three minutes long and Vienna was over four and they said, well, if we edit it down and we said, well, if you can get the same person who edited uh, you know, Hey Jude or Wuthering Heights or Be Rhapsody, then we'll edit it because, you know, they said, okay, just go with it the way it is I'm
2: glad you didn't. The trick was always to play a Beatles record next to it to get it to, to make up for the fact yours was <laughs> four and the Beatles was two minutes <laughs> Well,
1: thank you for that.
2: Not at all But you came from the Rich Kids. Now, the Rich Kids was much more poppy and, and I, I guess Ultravox was quite a cool band, but the Rich Kids weren't cool. They were doing pop stuff. So, that was quite a change, I guess.
1: Well, I think, probably uh, Probably Slick was more the, Slick the, the was pop really band. Poppy, they were yeah. really poppy. Um, well, I, I think for me, uh, I was striving for uh, cred. I suppose you'd call it. So I was looking for something that was more uh, musician-like, rather than uh, to do with the face and the look. It was to do with the thoughts and the and the process. Uh, and Ultravox were the perfect band for me. I mean, if if someone had come to you with a with a job application saying, "Okay, you can join a band who have just been dropped by the label, who owe a fortune, who have had three albums already," Uh, you know, they're splintered, they don't know where they're going. You would never do it. Well, I did it. I did it because I loved what, the, the sound that we made together. Obviously, a lot
2: of people meant to know you for Band-Aid 1984. I mean, a huge, huge record. How did you conceive that
1: and pull that together? That was the most enormous project. Well, I mean, it was, it was luck more than anything, I suppose. You know, when, when Bob Geldof phones you up and says that he's got an idea... Um, you don't say no, you can't say no to Bob, so we found ourselves sitting down, sculpting how we could uh, generate £100,000, that was the initial aim, if we created a Christmas record got all of our friends to uh, participate in this thing, and got a Christmas number one, because it was really important it had to be a Christmas number one, because you would sell twice as many, or three times as many as you would a number one any other time of the year, so, and we had to write something because we couldn't just cover a traditional Christmas song, because 50 percent of the money generated from a record sale goes to the writers so we had to write something and give the writing royalties to the Band-Aid Trust so once the public got hold of the bunch, this bunch of pop stars getting together to make this, to do this for charity um, it just went ballistic it went way past 100,000 7 million 100,000 was a very
2: modest target but how did you assemble such an illustrious cast of musicians from quite different backgrounds too? Yeah, it, Bob was
1: uh, our a, a secret weapon, although not so secret, I suppose. Uh, he lived in Chelsea at the time. After we spoke on the telephone about getting together to do something, he bumped into Gary Kemp, uh, who was in an antique store in Kings Road in London, and then he, he saw Simon LeBon, like you do. And so we had already had two of the biggest uh, artists uh, in the UK at the time, you know, Duran and Spandau. Uh, so once you have that, that first uh, commitment the rest of it kind of falls into place. So it was, a, it was an amazing thing to see this, this snowball because everyone, by the time uh, Gary and, and, and Simon had been, had been approached, everyone had seen the footage that the BBC had shown on television. So everyone knew what this was about. It was a
2: stunning achievement. Midge, your passion for music obviously is absolutely coming across now. You're going to carry on doing this as long as you're able, I guess. I'm going to be the George Martin of my generation. Are you? Fantastic. I am. I'm
1: going to keep going until I fall off.
2: Well, we're delighted to see you in Vienna, and thank you for coming, and good luck.
1: Thank you.
3: This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that.
0: eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that
3: actually help you get to know each other.
1: Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence.
2: So, Danielle Linzer, Vice Programme Director of uh, Crone Hit in uh, Austria. First of all, um, what's your impression of Radio Days? What do you think of it?
4: Well, actually, I'm really excited about it still. We had a great opening. We had a great first day with a lot of really, really interesting and thrilling sessions. What I, as women in radio, like very much, of course, is that there are really a lot of special sessions also targeted um, to women, to encourage uh, female talent, female hosts.
2: Yeah, no, it's good, and you can see real change. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do. What do you think are the barriers, though? Why do women not necessarily see radio as a career option for them?
4: I think they do, but I think it's the same everywhere you you start out. Um, but uh, maybe in the past we have been lacking this, this really good role models that show that it's possible to make a Korean radio and have a family and be successful and develop your talent and just to have the guts to do it. I think that's... it's it
2: harder for women than you're saying because you've got so many more things to balance.
4: Of course, it's hard if you balance a, f- a family and your job, not only in radio, in general. Men are parents too, of course. Of course, yeah. But um, especially in Austria, um, we still have um, the situation that most of the work concerning parenting ships and homework and stuff like that is due to women because there's uh, not enough support from the government from from the states that that, um, concerning like places in kindergarten that are offered and stuff like that that make you easily do your job be happy with it and also with your family and kids
2: well it's great you're doing your part to help change that and that's really good to see let's talk about the Austrian radio market so commercial and private stations how does it work here
4: well, it's challenging, as I guess in many parts. But what's very special about the Austrian market are two things. It's a small market. We're only 8 million people here. And we had just had a liberal market since 20 years ago. So very young then, really. Yes. Um, some said we're even behind Albania. But the thing is, we have a really very strong public service broadcaster, Because of this history.
2: This is ORF.
4: Yes, this is ORF. And so it's very, very difficult for private stations to catch up. Also because the thing is that the the public broadcaster is not only funded by um, license um, and the people, but it also has the right to do commercials. But if you look at the most successful station in Austria, which is Ö3, which is a public service broadcaster, that sounds like a commercial station, um, you can see that they on their own have 40% and the private commercial stations all together over Austria have 38
2: So let's talk about Corona Head, You are a DJ and you've become assistant PD. How did you make that transition and do you miss being on the air?
4: Well, I've been, um, I started out my career at a local station in Vienna and I had um, had the opportunity and the luck to 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 bring two stations to life, which, as you surely agree with me, Paul, is something very special. Very special. Yes. So I was part of the, the, the pioneers of broadcasting and commercial radio at the station 88.6 in Vienna. And after two years, we moved on and had the opportunity to start the first national Commercial broadcasting station Cronahead, and then I did the morning show for 15 years on Cronahead. 15 years yeah, is a 15 long years, time. Yeah. yeah, look, look at my face. <laughs> you look amazing.
2: You, but you must miss that. 15 years of being on the air yeah. every day? No.
4: Yeah. Well, I had I had an interruption when my son was born. Yeah. So I had a year off. And got a taste of what's it like not to stand in the studio and being on the air at five o'clock in the morning. And to be really honest, I kind of <laughs> quite like being yeah, in the yeah. office. Okay. Yeah, well, but then I got back and did another year. And then my PD gave me the opportunity to step up and and work with him. And for me, it was like the the the, the next genuine step because I did um, an MBA in media management. And for my life now, this situation is the perfect one because it gives me a better balance for family and stuff like that and I it was just like for me to move on
2: and the next job will take your, your boss's job as pd or maybe ceo oh, you never
4: know I, I've been I've been You'd lucky be a good to role run. model if you were the
2: ceo <laughs> of the national station that'd be great wouldn't it
4: yes maybe someday but I still have a lot to learn to that and I don't want to screw up then I want to learn first and um make my how do you put it um Um, das Lehrgeld zahlen so I want to pay my my, pay your dues yeah my dues say it again
2: in German I love that
4: mein Lehrgeld zahlen
2: that sounds great (laughs) sounds so much better
4: (laughs) yeah and and then we'll see what the future brings
2: well it makes you a great role model and that's important it's been a huge pleasure being with you here at Radio Days and thank you Vienna for being such a fantastic host
4: thank you very much and I can just return that
2: So Bob, you you just talked about the BBC and its view of the digital future and you said, I think perhaps slightly controversially, that
5: DAB is not the only solution. Why did you say that? Since the launch of DAB, radio has had to take notice of the challenges and the benefits of the internet and the BBC is no exception to that and and indeed radio in the UK I don't think is an exception to that. We've got um, a multiplicity of of challenges, but with those challenges come great opportunities. And we need to reach our audiences in lots and lots of different ways with lots and lots of different content, of which DAB continues to be an incredibly important pillar in our distribution strategy. I think we've made a lot of progress. I think we all feel we've made a lot of progress. I think we all feel um, that uh, DAB has provided us with opportunities to... Enhance the performance of radio in the UK considerably uh, through great new content offers. You know, Six Music alone reaching nearly two and a half million people. These have been brilliant innovations that would not have happened without the advent of DAB. And I guess what I think we all feel um, around um, the radio table in the UK is that we're making progress. We're not quite there in terms of switchover. Um, we should review it again in a few years' time. Uh, and see where we've got to.
2: You talked about um, headsets and about uh, headset sales booming. And of course, there's smart sets now doing amazing numbers. And everywhere you go, people have got something plugged into their ears listening. But you said not all of it is radio. So how do you get a bigger share of those ears?
5: I I guess we've got to make sure that we're providing relevant content that that meets the different listening needs that, that audiences have. I mean, radio is a very important listening need in itself. And By radio, I guess I'm saying linear radio um, that a lot of people do listen to. Um, We should never forget, we have 32 million people who listen to the BBC every single week um, loyally, uh, and, and they have high expectations. And serving those expectations and needs is the number one priority that we've got. But we also know that we're losing uh, our impact amongst the younger audiences who aren't necessarily satisfied by linear radio alone. So it starts with a little drop off of share because their um, uh, capacity to consume other things is far greater Um, and in the end we're seeing a little tailing off of of the reach um, in the UK amongst 15 to 24s. So as responsible public broadcasters we've got to be mindful of that and wonder what it is that they are consuming and and might want to consume from their public service, BBC, alongside the linear radio. And I feel that this is where um, the IP IP world gives the BBC a great opportunity to develop uh, our existing audience-facing services uh, and to provide content that isn't necessarily just from those linear services to reach audiences who aren't necessarily listening to them um, and to bring them into the BBC family. Uh, to get benefit from their public service broadcaster, and that's what we want to carry on doing.
2: So maybe new voices, new styles, new tones, maybe things the BBC
5: finds hard to do because it's the BBC. I think, I think it's a massive creative opportunity for us, yes. I think there's there's a huge potential for innovation. I'm very proud of the creativity of what we've got and what we do. You know, There is no broadcaster on planet Earth that commits in the world of drama, like the BBC and audio drama. Radio 4's commitment is phenomenal. Its success story is phenomenal. It's an incredibly precious part of our public service broadcasting. But um, because it's for Radio 4, sometimes I think it's hard for people to imagine what it could just be without being for a brand. Um, and I think that goes for all of our station brands. They're so strong, it's hard for content producers, programme makers... Uh, to to get out of the mindset of thinking about how they can cater for a brand uh, that's so powerful and I think that's one of the areas I want to explore creating content that's from the BBC not first and foremost for a station and you know what if in the end as I expect much of that content ends up being broadcast too it will help refresh and enhance the stations at the same time. Bob Shannon thank you very much.
2: Oh, Visturand, you've just finished a masterclass. You were inundated, packed to the seams.
3: Look, the world is in a very special place, and it's something that all of us in every country around the world are experiencing, and that's the need to feel loved and feel good and feel positive. We forgot the key. The key is one-on-one communication. The key to being successful in radio, I believe, is showing people your heart and and telling them they need to be showing people their hearts as well. We need to be in this communication with each other, this conversation with each other that's positive positive. We need to lift people up, and it's not being done enough. People are, in the 80s, I know, in the the 1980s in in the United States, radio was about being old guys in the morning who were in a bad mood and made fun of people. That's, That's over. That doesn't work. We have to do the opposite. How do you do that? It's a challenge because some days are better than others. I'm surrounded by people who are driven. And who are in that? They're on that climb to to live great lives, and because that is so infectious, it works. I'm surrounded by great people. But 22 years is a long time. How do you keep yourself fresh? Surrounding myself with great people. I know that's the answer twice in a row. But I keep myself fresh because I have fresh thoughts coming through every day with interns. Our internship programs from the colleges huge. Uh, We always have young people working on the show to keep us plugged into a whole world out there that I'm not plugged into. I'm I'm a 53-year-old guy. What do I know about dating? You know, uh, I've got it. I need to know something about it. I need to know something about what it's like going to college. And I'm not doing it. So surrounding yourself with people that are great keeps you fresh.
2: Do you feel under any pressure being at number one? Because getting to number one is one thing. I mean, I heard some guys today talking about being number two, number three in their markets, wanting to be number one. You are number one; have been for a long time. But you came from way back in the pack. So, what was it like moving from being, I think, eighteenth, nineteenth? You said through to number one. How did that feel as you you climbed
3: those ratings? I'll tell you how it feels today. Is I don't feel like we're number one. I've I've never felt like we were. Look, it's so impressive to meet someone who has a radio show that's number one. Wow, you're number one in New York. It, every once in a while, I actually stop and go. Wait a minute, we're number one and we're in New York. I don't think about it. I, I can't think about the race. I don't. I don't think about ratings. We just think about going in every day and doing a great show. Isn't that weird? Um, are there any things on taboo on your show? Are there things you say, no, no, that that's not going to work. We would never do that. That's not
2: the Elvis Duran show.
3: Well. I always want our place, and this has always been the rule since long ago, it needs to be a safe place for women. Uh, Women always win on our show. Um, If there's ever a debate with a woman, we make sure that everyone's heard. We've always maintained that women win on our show, and it's so interesting that that is the nature of of our environment in the United States right now, especially is uh, women's rights, making sure women are heard, make sure they're taken care of, they're not squ- they're squashed to the floor. And those days are done. So this movement just reflects what we've all always And
2: how do you thought. do that? I mean, you're probably going to say I talk to lots of women. But how do you do that? As a man who's 53, how do you understand the issues that women,
3: modern women, are feeling about now and really want you to maybe address on the show? You listen. It's, it's simple as listening. You know, I think the, the key to every successful show or personality or whatever, it's, you got to open your ears hear what they have to say, don't dismiss them so fast. And then in terms of the future, I mean, you're doing
2: this 22 years, I can't ask you how long you're going to do this, but I mean, there must come a point where you say, actually,
3: I want to make a decision to stop. I mean, is there any, is there any sense of that at all in your mind? I don't want to stop. Uh, I have been thinking about doing it differently. Maybe more through the podcasting and less live morning, wake up in the middle of the night radio because, <laughs> you know, it's not fun. It's always. tough on your social life, it's I guess. You're getting up at four in the morning or something. It's tough on everything. Right. I don't ever see myself not working in some sort of facet of this industry, ever. Now,
2: you've been a PD before. Uh, would you go back to being a PD Never. again? Never. Why?
3: Oh, God. Managing people. You know, getting yelled at budgets—it's not me. I can't do it. How would you manage Elvis Duran if you were a PD? Oh, I would treat him like gold. Of course, he's—he's the—he's good for business. I don't know. But it's a serious point, isn't it? Managing talent is not easy. No, you know what? Because it's—you know—the major, major percentage of how I am managed is actually therapy. I mean, psychological therapy. I mean, if you are my manager, you've got to be able to. To like sit down and go, hey, you know, are you having trouble with your life here and there? Let's talk about it. And I, I'm manic that way. I, I need someone to not only manage me, but make sure I'm doing okay. I need to feel loved. That is it
0: for this special edition of the Media Podcast. Our thanks to Paul Robinson for his sterling work with the roving reporter's mic. Uh, we're back to normal next week. Panel discussion, me there. As always, please help to keep us on air and keep us doing what we love to do by donating at themediapodcast.com slash donate. And uh, themediapodcast.com is also the address you need to find out how to subscribe for free so you never miss an episode. Until next time, bye-bye.
3: wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com So, Retrospectors,
0: what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History?
4: Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of kids' classic The Very Hungry Caterpillar.
0: On Tuesday, how Roquefort became the cheese of kings. On Wednesday, we meet the Jobs and Wozniak... Of the 1800s.
4: On Thursday, the history of the YMCA, from the City of London to the village people.
0: And on Friday, the edgy musical that made Greece the word. We discuss this and more on Today
1: in History with the Retrospectors. 10 minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.